Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. One of the things I am big on is consistency. And consistency is not a function of the way you are received or even the results you get. Consistency is a product of conviction. Did you hear what I said? Consistency is not fueled by results. Because one of the most dangerous things in our generation today is that stuff is working. You heard me say in one of my posts that I that came back after like 12 years that you can receive a miracle and it was not of God. It's not, there's nothing strange about it. <laughs> Moses and Aaron are in front of Pharaoh feeling like stars because they had rods that could turn to serpents and, and do stuff. Sad story, but hey, go figure. Because everything Moses and Aaron do, Pharaoh's sorcerers replicate which was stupid because if Moses and Aaron could bring frogs this guy should have shown superiority by removing the frogs not by bringing more frogs so that's really lame Moses and Aaron bring locusts and they bring more locusts Moses and Aaron bring flies and they bring flies because by the time that the firstborn died, <laughs> that they did not try to go for the secondborns. And then they said, you know, you know oh, oh yes, you, sorry, sorry, king. This is the finger of God. The point is, every miracle that Moses and Aaron did, these guys did, including rods becoming serpents. And they didn't have to fast and pray to do it. So miracles and signs and wonders are over, grossly overrated. Yes, sir. Actually, in the supernatural, it is base level of manifestation. Base level. It's the small children that do signs and wonders. <laughs> it's base level. Like he also said, the signs shall follow them that believe. If you're a believer, you cast out devils. So Moses and Aaron do these things and these guys do them as well. Easy. No stress. They were not audio sorcerers. They were bona fide. Or as they say in French, bona fide. Sorcerers. Legit sorcerers. You bring flies, we bring flies. You bring locusts, we bring locusts. You bring frogs, we bring frogs. Frogs. You bring blood from the Nile, we bring blood from the Nile. They matched every single one of Moses' plagues. Until the firstborn. Until the firstborn. There was a witch at the time when Saul was king of Israel and, yes, and Judah that he had outlawed witchcraft. Yes, there was still one in Endor yes, practicing witchcraft. Yes, until the king himself needed a witch. Until Saul himself needed a witch. Then they remembered there's one underground black market witch yes, in Endor. And Saul disguised himself 
and went to the witch that he had outlawed. And she said, what would you have me do? And he says, bring me up the spirit of Samuel who was dead. And she conjured up a familiar spirit of Samuel that God took advantage of because I have explained to you that he's Lord of hosts. So that wasn't scripture validating necromancy. It wasn't. It was God seizing the moment, carpe diem. You want to call up a spirit? I'll give you a spirit to call. That's what happened. So God seizes advantage of that and then the, the point I'm making is the supernatural is not new. And it's not exclusive to believers. You can't judge how powerful someone is by how much supernatural he's doing. It's absolute nonsense. Anybody can be supernatural. So we can't come from there and you bamboozle us about supernatural. You're a joker. A joker. We've had crusades and there is clear-cut show of power in the open. So I'm not one of those people that are that moved by the supernatural as a show or as a validation. It's cheap. It's actually cheaper to walk in that level than it is to be a son of God with spiritual integrity. Because that's the easy way out. That's the simplified way out. The spiritual integrity costs a lot of discipline. Yes, yes, sir. Of declaring God's counsel and allowing it come to pass. Simple. A while ago, this guy picked up some guy in his church and said, you know, if this prophecy doesn't come to pass, you'll know I'm a false prophet. Find me and stone me. He prophesied and said the guy was going to be president and, and picked oil and said, this is the same oil. I'm quoting verbatim. This is the same oil that Samuel used to anoint David. Because it was two weeks ago that Samuel anointed David. And he poured the oil on the guy and then he said, that's the first, that's the first person he's anointing with this oil. I'm like, but, sir, but, sir, but you... Anywho, anoints the guy and then gives him the bottle and says, this is your oil. Whatever you're going for campaign, use the oil. And, and he says, and I quote... Even if they try to steal the elections, you will get miracle votes. Wow. And he pours the oil on the guy and gives him a bottle and declares all he's declaring. Because obviously they have, they all, all these prophets have cheerleaders. Listen, anybody you see with a cheerleader, suspect them. Preach! Prophesy! Anybody like, is a suspect. Long story cut short, this guy loses the election so badly, he didn't even get to primaries. He didn't get enough sponsors to even qualify for the ticket. Now, gullible people will still follow through. Why the gimmicks? We don't try to operate in the supernatural. We don't. We don't. It's not something you look for. It's not something you even find on a mountain. It's a gift you have and operate in by awareness. Not by manipulation. Spiritual integrity... That's where the work is. So anybody can get up and prophesy. That's why these are not the things that grow the church. Anybody can do it. People with familiar spirits prophesy. Accurately. 
That's why these charlatans that are even following their own hand are so stupid. Because they don't even know how to be fake. They don't, have, they don't know how to be really fake. You understand? They are still fake at being fake. I mean, there's such information available to you to be really fake. You know what I mean? Like to be genuinely fake. Who got what I just said? Yeah. Hey, if you want to be fake, be fake properly. Well, you guys are not a prophetic church. You guys are not a prayer church. You know, think again. First of all, understand prophecy in the light of scripture. So I'm not under pressure. Why have I said all this? I was saying that consistency is not fed by result. So if you're, if you're carried away by result, you will keep jumping from one thing that works to another thing that works to another thing that works. And that's how people change churches like they change clothes. Say, my pastor is not powerful again. I met a mightier man of God. People live from place to place looking for a powerful man of God. Follow it now. So no, it's not that it's working that makes you consistent in it. What fuels consistency is conviction. How many times did Jesus preach and they said, yes, Lord, we believe you. Versus how many times they picked up stones to stone him. Think about it. How many times was he accepted publicly versus how many times he was rejected and confronted. They called Jesus the outcast. That's why when, when you see the story of the, of the Gospels, talking about the journeys through Israel, it was a big deal for a Jew to travel through Samaria. Yeah. That was the Jew defiling himself. These are the nuances that scripture borrows when it talks about the good Samaritan. So you begin to appreciate that this was an outcast who ordinarily would have no business touching a Jew. A Samaritan is not someone that does good. A Samaritan is a native of Samaria. The way a Nigerian is a native of Nigeria. But you know, because of religion, when you think Samaritan, you think a good person. A Samaritan is like an American. And it's, it's important to understand these nuances when reading scripture. Or else you don't even understand the meaning behind parables. A priest, signifying one who served at the altar. A Levite, one who was called out. All went past this fellow and didn't help him. Does that make sense? Yes. Servant of God came and went by. The upholder of the law came and went by. And it was a dejected reject from Samaria. This is why the woman freaked out in John 4. When Jesus came to her at the well. Read the story in John 4. That's how it starts. That Jesus is going from here to there. And unfortunately, he needed to go through Samaria. That's why Samaria is highlighted in the story. It's not just geographical mention. He needed to go through Samaria. In other words, there's already a problem here. Jesus has to travel through territory that will defile him. And the shorter route from where Jesus was going, where he was, where he was going, would have taken him an extra day. And Jews did that a lot. They would go an extra day's journey just to avoid traveling through Samaria. And he decided, I'm going. Gets to Jacob's well. Meets a Samaritan woman. 
Even if she was the best woman in the city, there's a problem. She's a Samaritan and she's a woman. And not just a Samaritan woman. She's a Samaritan woman with a history of six men. None of which. So imagine the disgust on the face of his disciples. When they came back and met Jesus talking to a woman from Samaria who is a known whore. And so she asked Jesus, you come to me to ask me for water. Are you, are you following it? The point is, check through Jesus' ministry. When you now come and look at Jesus and say, get out from here, you Samaritan. It was the height of an insult to a Jew. Do you get the point? For them to say to you, Samaritan. His brethren that knew his parents. Knew his brothers and sisters. Because they said one time, what are you saying? Is this not Jesus? Are his brothers not Judas and John? Are his sisters not with us? So they knew Jesus. They knew his ancestry, at least according to the flesh. And they called him a Samaritan. Was it enough? They called him a demon. Beelzebub. Lord of the flies or Lord of the demons. He was called Samaritan. He was called a gluten. He eats too much. Then he was called a drunkard, a one Bible. Only Jesus. Samaritan, demon possessed, headquarters of the demons, Beelzebub. Wine babbler, gloton, friend of sinners, carpenter. So you tell me if Jesus stayed at Frontes because of result. Tell me if he stayed consistent because everybody liked him. Blindfold him and slap him and spat on him. I said, tell us, who, who, who slapped you? Who smacked you? So consistency is not a function of results. It's a function of conviction. Results eventually follow. So if you would take any route, any route, and this applies across board, professionally, vocationally, academically, ministerially, relationship-wise, and across board, if you will take route, you must be driven by your conviction. Consistency is driven by conviction. So if you're, if you're in microwave, it's not working, you jump and go off. When will you be known for what you want to be known for? You must stay in it long enough to be known for it. So we're not here because we saw results when we began. You're here because we stayed to our conviction. Yes, sir. Are you following me now? No. But it was, a, it was my conviction. Which I've stayed with. I've stuck with. How, when, when next you go back to your compound? Those people that live in, live in yards. Check the holes on the line of your roof. Yes, There's these holes on the ground. That just the steady trickling of water from your roof over time have dug holes into concrete. Not by exerting any effort. Just by that annoying trickle. Poop in the same spot. In the same spot. In the same spot. In the same spot. Next thing you know there's a hole. In the concrete made by a little droplet of water. If anything helped it at best, some gravity. Otherwise, what's responsible for that? Consistency. Keep at it long enough. I've not stayed at what I'm doing because I found cheerleaders. 
That's, that's always been the secret. Just, you, you, you have a conviction on something? Stay there. Got into England, they gave me a car. I sold it. I've told you the story before. I, I said, why do they sell cars here? They say, you want to buy it. This one is not good. I say, no. Why will I be driving a car of 4,000, 6,000 pounds? Where do they sell car? I want to sell it. And I went and sold it, and I bought a rickety 30-year-old car, a Rover 312 of 1986. I bought it for 400 pounds, and I was feeling like a big boy. At an auction, I just came and brought it. And the car looked very nice. You know how Jesus says, you whitewashed tombs in Matthew 23, right? Whitewashed them, beautiful on the outside, but nothing on the inside. That was that Rover. Look, right, no scratch on the body. And then I took it very fast, and I made it 200 pounds, and I went going, going once, 250 pounds, and that. And I was new, I just came from Africa. And I made it 400 pounds, going once, 100 pounds, going twice. I put my, I put my, they give you a number in the auction. I put the number, and the guy just, it's like, I was the only one that lifted my hand. I mean, I thought God had favored me. I had plenty of money because I'd sold this, this car, and I paid for the day. Started driving home, I realized what I'd bought. And the following morning, I asked where they sell the musical equipment. They told me, Turnkey, the West End. And I went into Turnkey. And I spent all the rest of the money. Bought my first set of monitors, bought my first microphone, my first uh, Alexis 360 compressor, my first MIDI verb effect processor, my first small Yamaha MG166 FX mixer, my Roland Phantom X keyboard, a stand, a microphone stand, and a, and a reflection filter from S Electronics. And I go back home. And somebody in whose house I stayed, in a matter of weeks, started renting equipment from me in London to go for gigs. I mean, I just came. And this guy was from a wealthy home yes, in Abuja. Yes, started renting gear from me. Because I asked myself, why would I be driving a car and then snapping picture and sending to Nigeria so they can see that I'm doing well? How is the car translating to my dream? How? Did I come here to drive a car? So I was doing my postgrad at the time, doing my master's at the time, and I sold the car. And I already had gear. I was earning money. By second year of my postgrad, I was teaching first years. Because I was a problem in first year. Nobody could teach me anything. Coming to class and he puts Cubase on the screen. And he's teaching Cubase basics. And I will put my hand up and say, excuse me, Mr. Ian. <laughs> the guy reported me to the dean. And he can't teach me. I said, why would you bring me? I'm not even white. I'm African. I don't even have a first degree in music production and audio engineering. I didn't apply psychology for Christ's sake. And I'm doing a postgrad and you can't teach me stuff. You're teaching basic stuff. Why am I paying 9,600 pounds a year to sit down and be... What is this? And they didn't know what to do with me. So by my second year, I, started, I paid my way through my second year by teaching in first year. And I had equipment I was renting. And I stuck at it. That was between then, less than six years. I had all the equipment I needed. I had a boss. I bought a brand new 16-seater Renault Master. In that year, I'm talking mid-2000s. Bought it, had equipment. I could do three gigs. I was set up for this concert. Everything is set up. Set up for a second concert. Everything is set up. And I have enough equipment to now go and minister myself in a third event. In years. And I was not a British citizen. So what are you saying? Consistency is driven by conviction. And then we went for the radio station. Then we went for the radio station. Everyone thought I'd lost my mind. 
So I did Watch Bus Lifeline on a radio station for one season. It was horrible. They would lock me out of the studio, come late. They were not serious. I was the only serious thing on that radio station. And I'm paid for a second season too, paid in a different radio station. Got there. You know how people advertise so wonderfully? And when you get there, you're looking for what they advertised. The station was in somebody's basement. Basement. You know when you get to the house, you go under. Dingy basement, small eight-channel mixer, alto mixer. I'm like, excuse me, where's the radio station? And I had to buy a mixer for the radio station. Because by, if I time I connect my iPad, my laptop, my phone, and then the laptop I used to trigger my jingles, there was no space on the mixer. So I bought an 18-channel mixer, installed it in the radio station for free that I had paid for one season to do my showing. I didn't start today. We stayed there at consistency because of conviction. So if you're going to take instruction in righteousness, take it. Do granite until they think of granite, they think of you. That's when you're a success, not when you're selling six bottles. But when you're synonymous with your product, you're synonymous with your service. That's when you're a success. You can't just be another caterer. If you're not walking in wealth already, it's your fault. You're wasting a lot of time. You can't be average and mediocre with all the wisdom of God that you have. You can't. Because as long as consistency doesn't stop, you can't stop it. So if your business idea is failing, you are absolutely responsible. You can't blame anybody. You can't blame Calabar. And everyone that comes to me for business advice and mentorship, I tell you the same thing. Become synonymous with your brand. Be known for it. So you stay at your thing consistent enough. I, I said over and over, I didn't come. You, how, how, how will I be dragging with somebody that does one song for 10,000? And they say, Pa, why can't you charge 10,000? I say, because it's not, I better pass my neighbor generator and use it. You know, you put 2,000 naira petrol, it will run for 24 hours. Then your studio is hot. You don't have AC. You're using one small computer and one screen and one small PSR. You're not using anything. You can charge 10,000. You can do four songs in one day. You're the only staff in your company. You're paying 100,000 rent. My overheads and my niche is not that. I didn't come to, I told them, I've said to my staff over and over, I didn't come here to be the cheapest and most affordable and busiest producer or media practitioner. I have a niche. I have a niche. So I may do four projects in a year. Let's do the books at the end of the year. You're running around chasing 10, 10K. Three for 20,000. I know what I'm saying. I've been in this for a very long time. I've been in this for many. You could do a whole album for 15,000. Session was one five for eight hours. That's where I came from. That's why there's an audacity with which I speak. We waited for computers to be introduced into music production. We're reading about it and waiting for it to come. Cakewalk. Kuledi Pro that eventually was sold and became Adobe Audition. We waited for, we read and waited for it to come. Built a computer with components. I told you my first computer, the RAM was 128 megabytes. RAM. My current computer, my RAM is 22 gig and it's slow. I, I feel like it's slow. 22 gig RAM. RAM, RAM. Because now I can open my base software. You just see, once you open the software, 5 gig RAM is disappeared. 
and it will hold it. Each, each sound you open, one bass sound is nearly one gig large. 900 megabytes, just a slap of a bass. So 22 gig RAM is, sometimes it's lagging. I have over 8,000 pounds worth of software. 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 Plugins. That's over 6 million naira worth of plugins. Software. We have come from a place. So when I speak, if I were you, I would listen. Because when you become a force, people don't have to like you to patronize you. Our problem is we're too sentimental. You think life is a popularity contest. If you become the solution to the problem, the sole solution to the problem, people will bypass their dislike of you and come to you for the solution that only you have. Only you have. So you come to me and like, you, you want to do a live recording. So that's not a prayer point. Do you know Mr. doing live recording? Script writing, content creation, on the fly. Do you know how much we left to, to pastor you? If I came here to be a full-on media practitioner. People don't have to like you to use you. So stop for a minute thinking about acceptance. Recalibrate and think about value. Stop it. Please like my page. Please follow me. Please, you know, oh, don't you just build your value. Start wanting one thing, be consistent at it. Become so notorious in your consistency. I didn't say become liked. I said become notorious. We think of something, we think of you. Why should I bring myself down? Because you have a budget that my services do not fall within the remit of. I'm not that hungry for your money. I have a level of service, delivery, that I will not compromise. So if we can't do business this time, when you have that event, so it's a small program, no, look for a small company. And when you have that level of budget, let's talk. That's consistency. Yes, sir. You will not like me, but I've developed a notoriety in a particular thing. Yes, and I stick at it long enough because of my conviction. My conviction is if nobody patronizes me, I value my service long, good enough to be at, at the best I can be in it, even if only for my benefit. Be so good at your hair that it's only your hair you make. It's fine. You become your own billboard. What am I teaching this night? Become your own billboard. Become your own noise. Become your own. That's, that's how you... Do you know what the wisdom of God in Christ in you is? Sometimes you don't make so much progress because we know too much. I said this in one of my words for today, not long ago. Sometimes the problem with young people is you know too much. Only you have 28 different gifts. And you're shooting blanks at everyone. You're not taking root in one and developing notoriety. Develop notoriety. Make your own self up. Record the process. Do a time-lapse video. Put it on there. You dance. You're waiting for a gig. Go on somewhere. Shoot something. Put it online. Keep at it. You do a video and after... You do three, four videos. You, you only had two views. So you gave up. You're not very serious. You're not very serious. A lot of my, my videos from 20 years ago, 15 years ago, it's now that they're actually more relevant. Who's this guy? What has he been saying? Where's he come from? Is this helping anybody? Yes, 
develop consistency from your conviction. Not from, hey, look, oh, somebody bought my yam today. Oh, somebody bought my yam today. Hi, it was a good day. Oh, so somebody bought fire bread cake today. Great, but that's not what makes it a good day. What makes it a good day is you believe in bread cake. You woke up, you pushed bread cake. That's a good day. Are you following me? That's a good day. It's not a good day because somebody bought market. It's a good day because you woke up and pushed your conviction. And if nobody buys, be innovative. Be creative. Nobody to do something, do it on yourself. Call somebody, do their hair for free. Snap it. Put it out there. Somebody says to you, what do you do? Ah. You know, you're not trying to scroll. Because for every time of your life, there's something that represents your conviction. Does that make sense? For every time of your life, there's something that represents your conviction. That's what consistency builds. So if you're doing a business, stay consistent. You're doing shoes, you're doing clothes, you're doing perfumes. Recycle your sales. Don't live for what to eat. Don't do that. Oh, I have family pressures. The family pressures were there before you. They will be there if you drop dead today. The, the family will be okay. You'll be surprised how okay your family will be if you died. I hope you are listening to me. You'll be shocked. You stand outside your body. And you'll be shocked at what you died for. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor with all seriousness and not as a joke. Don't eat your seed. No matter how much a farmer loves food, they don't eat their seed. What's wrong with you? Every farmer knows no matter how hungry you are, the seed is for planting. And then you get a harvest. Out of the harvest, your seed is contained. You start looking for capital for your next supply. What happened to what you sold? And you're binding, so I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know who's after you. You're after yourself. You're after yourself. You bought 20 perfumes, you made a sale. Buy 30 the next time. Buy 30 without having to borrow to buy the 30. Sell them, do the thing, recycle it. And you're doing stuff and your makeup stuff and your, your makeup, your concealer, whatever is totally finished. Your mascara is finished. Looking for where to borrow mascara. What have you been doing with all the money, monies you made? Build your value. Don't eat your seed. Oh, people had problems. I, I, I had no choice. You did have a choice. There's a difference between building a business and doing philanthropy. Am I speaking to anybody? It's a clear-cut difference. The biggest philanthropists on the earth don't carry their capital and give to the poor. And this is why they mock the gospel in our mouths. Which of the philanthropists do you know that carries their capital and go and give to motherless babies' homes in the name of being nice? No single human being can cure the world of poverty. No single person can be responsible for caring. Jesus said to his disciples, the poor, you will have with you always. So if you're doing business, take your time and build consistency. Build a brand. Stop building fans. Build your brand. Building fans. Oh, everybody likes you because your perfume is nice. You're so sweet. You just give your perfume. And they start chasing people for the money. Start messing with you and then you start owing each other. You puncture fellowship. And you stop the person's business. You are a witch. You took a product from somebody you have not paid. And you are being nasty about it. That's an ungodly spirit. And then somebody's business folds up because church does not have enough church consciousness. 
to value somebody's business. No. Take root. Business money is business money. Let the Holy Spirit expressly tell you. Otherwise, your business money is your business money. I know it's strange hearing this from a pastor. When church needs money. But if I don't build your capacity, the money church needs, you will not be in a position to ever give it. <laughs> Are you here now? Yeah. Well, by all means, practice giving. Because if you don't practice with starting small, you will never give much. Let's just survive. Let's just make sure this, this famine doesn't kill us. And somebody in the midst of it takes the risk of dividing what to survive on and what to invest in. America was going through a financial crisis and shares were packing up, banks were failing. Real estate was plunging. People were offloading stuff. And a man called Warren Buffett gets up and he jumps in when everybody's jumping out. And he's buying shares of $100 for 20 cents, 30 cents. And he buys off all the bad mortgages and buys off all the shares that were being offloaded because he knew that this crisis is not the end of America. He bought off bad real estate mortgages. He bought off bad stocks and shares. He bought stuff at their lowest and waited. He didn't do anything. He just waited. As the financial fortunes of America began to turn, the assets began to grow. And before you could see Warren Buffett, richest man in the world, because he had foresight, he sold where everybody else was jumping sheep and trying to survive. Does anybody learn like anything? Yes, Consistency is fed by conviction. That you can do a thousand things doesn't mean you should do a thousand things. Yes, Wait, are you in an edify meeting? Yes, Success by worldly standards is cheap. Success by secular standards is cheap. It's easy. Financial prosperity, wealth creation, and all the jargon that the world parades and sometimes pulls into church. Yeah. Sir, life answers to principle. Yes, sir. Did you hear what I said? Life answers to what? Principle. And these principles will work for the Satanist, the Muslim, the Christian, or the Hindu. I didn't say life answers to Christian principles. I said life answers to principles. Why would Jesus say the children of this world in their day are wiser than the sons of light? Using any sense we have. We're not using any sense we have. Weaponize your skill. Stay on it. Be known for it. Stay on it. Let everybody else laugh at you. You stay so long, they'll laugh so long, they'll run out of laughter very soon. And will have to, not start to, they will have to take you seriously. But they have to run out of laughter before they can take you seriously. <laughs> More sessions. Those things don't last. They fizzle out. How many programs have started like them and have died? We're here. Just because we are here. We're not here because we're the best. We're here because we're here. We're here because every Monday, no matter how we feel, we get up and we do it. (laughs) 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, no matter how we feel, we get up and we do it. It's hot. We do it. The journey is not so good. We do it. Our bodies are not so strong. We do it. We ain't nothing to eat. We do it. Come next Monday. We are here. Right now where the more sessions is, if you walk in here on a Monday at 6 p.m., you don't see me. You don't see Ophion. You don't see Sema. You don't see Charlie. You don't see Tega. You don't see James. More sessions will happen. You people will carry microphone, carry drums, carry keyboard, arrange BVs. The more sessions is a force by itself. That's the truth. You will get up and go and make it happen. Just because we're here. If we come here and there's no light and we are gathering outside and clapping hands, some people will go away. Some of us will be here. There's power and consistency. And God gave you that in Christ. Yes, yes. Yes, sir. Who is our consistency? You haven't heard that teaching? Well, listen to it again. God gave you consistency in Christ. Is the epitomization of consistency. So you want to succeed by any standard. It's not a secret. I just gave you the principle. By any standard. Any. Any standard. Somebody makes shoes, sells. Somebody invests in the brand that his shoes become. You say nobody buys made in Nigeria shoes. Think again. Nobody buys made in the made in Nigeria suits. Think again. Some guy in Lagos that is selling his brand of, of loafers for 180,000 naira. Made in Nigeria. Pair of shoes, sneakers, white loafers, white sole rather. And then some sort of skin on the, on the top. 180 G's. Worldwide shipping, baby. Nobody buys made in Nigeria. Nobody buys made in Nigeria. Stop joking around. Stop joking around. You keep at it long enough. See, I'm a student of life. I am a student of, I don't just sit down there. I'm rounded in knowledge. Not just the scriptures. Because the scriptures open you up to life. The whole success thing is overrated, guys. Stay at something long enough. Carve a niche for yourself long enough. Do what everybody else is doing differently enough. Because there's nothing new under the sun, you see. Do what everyone is doing differently enough. And wait and watch success come to you. Stop chasing it. Stop chasing it. If you're singing, sing. Post stuff. You're making her make her. Do makeup. Do makeup. You're cooking, cook. You're sewing, sew. You're writing, write. You're speaking, speak. Don't make excuses to not do what you are convicted to do. Don't do that. Just wake up and do it. If it's not what you're waking up to do, then it's not what you're you're supposed to be doing. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. Stop it today. Because if it's what you're supposed to be doing, you would not need any impetus to wake up and do it. In fact, you will pay somebody to let you do it. Oh yeah. That's how I knew what I should focus on. 
I asked myself, what would I like to be paid for doing? What could I pay to do? What would I like to be paid? What would I like to earn from of all the things I'm good at? And what is it that I love so desperately that I will even pay you for the opportunity to let me do it? Do you understand what I just said? You can pay me for this, for my service. Me, I will pay you for my service. I will pay my flight. I will pay my bills. I will take responsibility for myself to do what I want. Okay, that's the one I should be doing. Not the one that you are going to pay me for. So the one you're going to pay me for will be peripheral. Does that make sense? Be assistive and complementary of the one that I will go through hell and high water to do. That's how I eventually settled on the one thing that is most important. That's when I start to carve my niche and cut my teeth in that one. Does that make sense? So whatever you do, you do it. Paul says whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. One minute you're doing makeup, next minute you're cooking because the makeup, you didn't get gigs. Create the problem. You're waiting for a solution. Create the problem. Study people's skin types. Double into dermatology a little bit. Add some dermatological jargon to your makeup. Make somebody understand how their life and future depends on giving you their face to handle the problem. Why are you charging what you're charging? First of all, I will not touch your material without going through your lyrics. I'm interested in the lyrical content of your song. And then I'm interested in the music psychology of what you're trying to say. Then I want to match your content, your lyrical psychology with your personality and your music style to ensure that it cuts across to your intended audience the way you intended for them to come across. That's when we sit down and start to program the first note. What are we making the music to? A tone, a tune, a beat, or a sound, or a system? That's all you pay for. If you're going to work with me, you're going to work with me. If you're not, well, is what it is. Because if you're good at what you're good at, you're good at what you're good at. Make sense? Now you can take this and run with it, or you can spend the rest of your life looking for motivational speakers and life coaches and business startup meetings to waste your time in. Amen. Are you still at Edify? Yes, sir. That's how it works. There's no two ways to it. That's how it works. Having said that, all of this rises and falls on the strength of the character of your business and the character of your clients. Basically, business rises and falls on character. Character. The character or the, or the quality of your service is also proportional or dependent on the character and quality of your customers or clients. So when you're doing business, you must take into consideration the character of who you're dealing with, the character of what you're supplying, the character of who's patronizing you and where these elements are at play. So the way you do business as an Igbo man in Abba is different from how you do business as an Igbo man in Calabar. Make sense? The way you will do business as a brand development executive in Lagos where everybody knows what that means 
is totally different from how you would attempt to do it, for instance, in Calabar. You might end up not even calling yourself your real title because people here don't understand it. <laughs> you might be a brand executive, you might be an image consultant, you might be, you know, a hairstylist, whatever it is that you know you are. And some people here just don't get what that means. I've told a couple of people, you must learn to adapt yourself because business is about character. It's about character. It's all about character. You can't come and be forming what is not working. When you're talking, sometimes you, your English is your problem. Nobody understands. Nobody understands what you're saying. If the only person you impress is yourself, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So adapt to the character of where you are. Business is all about character. It's not about levels and classes. It's about you being flexible to adapt to whatever you find yourself. Why have I said all that? I've said all that to say that a credit-driven business will die. Any business that is credit-driven will die. I didn't say may die. It's not a prophecy. It's not a promise. It's an absolute statement of fact. So you must look at the character where you are doing business. You can't just get up and do business. There are nuances to pay attention to. Now, so the average person will conclude... Business doesn't work and they're wrong. Business works if you understand the character. So you would need to either establish a niche market for your product or service or adapt your product or service to the general public where you are. In other words, you tell yourself, I'm not called to serve everybody. I have a particular clientele I'm going to serve. Or you adapt your product or service to be acceptable to the general public. It's one of these two things. It's one of these two things. That's because of where we are. Even someone that can afford it doesn't see any reason why they should pay what they know they should. If you're going to do business, you're going to have to pay attention to the character of where you are. So how, how can you do stuff? What products, what ingredients, what can you circumvent what can you consider such that you package your product to be able to be within affordable range where you find yourself? Sometimes you might have to compromise to a large degree, not so much, but compromise quality for volume to balance out your turnover if you're serving the general populace. If you have a niche market, then it becomes about your niche delivery at a particular level that makes up for running around if you're doing something generic. I'm selling something. I'm selling this thing at 100,000. I know not everybody can afford 100,000, but if I have a niche market, there are people I supply this thing to, and I sell six of this in a year, that's 600,000, compared to somebody who does the same thing for 20K, and we need to sell, say, 30 or so of those pieces, in order to arrive at the same amount of money turned over within a period of time. Does that make sense? But if you want to do little and get much, Calabar will burn you. 
Because it's already a very critical market. Somebody doesn't want to give you money for selling something to them. So when, you, when they take something from you, they're not going to appreciate how good it is. They're going to tear their life out of it, tuck it down so as to diminish its value and pay the least for it. So if you play into their hand by giving them something that is not at par, you're dead. They'll talk about it, they'll gossip about it, they won't even tell you. They'll just pass it from one person to the other and as it's passing on, it's getting different amplifications. So you have to beat them at their game. Anticipate where they will critique you from and plug the gap while offering the best in your class. Does that make sense? So that's an uphill task. It's not impossible. But it's not easy. You can't do all of this selling on credit. You can't. Because the same person who will rubbish your oil perfume and tell you, why should I pay 500 for it? But this one has 300. The same person will march into Enumex. Pick it from the shelf and pay 800 for it. Walk away. Walk into spa. Pick smart for two grand. One eight, one eight fifty, but they didn't collect it on credit from spa. So if you play yourself cheap, you will be taken advantage of. The same guys will shut down your business and go back to spa. They will shut down your more more business of two fifty and go and buy it for four hundred from the choice. It's where you are. Now you're not. You're not. You're not. You're failing not because you can't succeed, but because you haven't studied the character of where you are. Second and last point, or thereabout, you also need to understand that these characters exist in church. Because the church is the microcosm of society. It's worse in church. Church is the one place people believe they should not pay you for anything. So if you're going to do business in church, you're going to have to do business in church as business. Are you guys hearing me? Romans 13 8. TPT. Romans 13 and 8. Look very carefully at the screen. Read it to your neighbor with every seriousness. That's it in the message. 13 and 8. Let's stay here. Give us an NLT. Owe nothing to anyone except for your. Now, some theologians have interpreted this to mean that the scriptures are against owing. That's not true. It says, don't be indebted to anyone. In other words, if you owe someone, pay. We're not called to be a debt-controlled society. Truth of the matter is, if we all lived, for the most part, within our means, we will not need to borrow to the point where you're so neck-deep in debt that you can't pay. And this is the final point I'm making. There's something about somebody who lives at a particular level and then has a momentary downtime. And then even the wealthy guys have it. 
Well, the guys have it. So if somebody like that says to you, I need 500 million, give me three months. It, you, it will be your pleasure to give me 500 million. But if you're earning 20,000 a month and you borrow 17,500 and say, I will pay you at the end of the month, one, you are an armed robber, an armed robber who is self conceited. And Philippians 2 3 says, Do nothing out of self conceit or vain glory. Self-conceit means, self-conceit is actually translated um, Zenon Dogza, or for myself glory, vain glory. So doing something with only me as the essence. There are debts you are entering, you know you will not pay. You know. But because you have built yourself to live in above your means, you get into a debt and you are neck deep and you hold everybody you're owing down with you. Does this make sense? Yes, sir. If that applies to you, you're walking contrary to the scriptures. Because scripture says, do not be indebted to anyone. And in Proverbs 22, it says, Proverbs 22, it says that the borrower is servant to the lender. That means if you find yourself at the point where you are owing, your pride dies. Yes. You cannot owe with pride. You can't owe with pride. It's worse if you're in church, if you're a serial defaulter of loans, there's some basic welfare in church you will not get. Because you're not a good steward of the faith. We will not fall over ourselves to help you. Because everybody you have owed, you have not paid. You have not paid on time and you have not paid on time with an attitude. Excuse me, excuse me. Are you the first person that owe money? So now because I'm owing you something, I, I, I cannot come to church in peace. The borrower is servant to the lender. A lot of businesses have suffered. A lot of businesses have suffered and even folded up because some of you will not pay. And my first counsel to you business owners that supply services, I've spoken about character. I've spoken about character. If somebody would rather go and pay outside than pay in church, let them go. If somebody will not pay in-house, because most people that are, 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 are taking advantage of businesses and services, when they go out there, they will pay. They'll pay. But when it's in here, you don't pay and then you chase them. It's evil. You can't be a pastor and you're living in serial debt. Amen? Amen. You can't. We must redeem the church of Jesus. It's more important than any one person. It's not the nature of Christ. You can't be owing people serially. And then we're in church and somebody's heart is full of pain and heaviness because somebody else in church owes them and doesn't prioritize it enough to say I'm sorry. So if that's what it is, I've already explained to you that what you're seeing in church is a reflection of what is in this society. Don't give somebody something if they're not going to pay. If they're going to call you evil, so be it. Tell them my pastor said. Yeah? Yes, Your persecution be upon me. Let them come and bite me. Tell them my pastor said I should not give to you on credit. Especially people that have formed a notoriety. Do you know how frustrating it is for me to take something from you for 40k? I'm paying you 2,000, 3,000, 500, 600, 5,000. By the time you collect the money, you have no trace. Have no trace. 
can you stand next to that person in church? How can you claim church consciousness? But when the person gave you, he didn't break up the phone and give you in bits, give you the radio, give you the antenna, give you the battery, give you the scene tray, give you the camera. But we are not, so I've said church consciousness must boil down to marketplace. Otherwise we're all deceiving ourselves. People should fall over themselves to do business with you. Not go out of their way to avoid doing business with you. So if somebody will not pay, don't serve them. Because most people are determined to not pay. They came to you because they could have afforded to pay. I have the, if I need to bring out this 6K, I can bring it out. But because you have it to give me, without me necessarily having to give you all the 6K, I'd rather take it from you and you be at my mercy for when to get your money and then I use the money and do something else. So if they can't pay you, let them walk. But it has to take two sides supplying for church consciousness to work. Somebody cannot always continue to be the victim because somebody else is claiming church consciousness. It can't, it can't only be the business supplier being told to discern the Lord's body. The client must discern the Lord's body too. Live within your means or pay for it. It should be your joy to pay me for a service I'm giving you in the kingdom. In the same local church. It should be a thing of joy. It should be. You should take less because not church. How about his transport and his time? And then you buy and say, we'll see you on Sunday. Then he starts chasing you. And you start explaining to him another classic witchcraft spirit. You start explaining how is something else that has not happened that should have happened that is the reason why you have not paid them. Why did you not consult that thing before you sought the service? I come against that spirit in church. Is it it my fault? They have not paid me. So everybody should suffer. What I was expecting did not come. Why did you not manage your own expectations according to your supply or the lack of it? Because honestly, if you are at that level of means, you will not even be owing in the first place. And you will not be owing that long. And you will not be owing with that much pride. Not with that much pride. So you take the perfume, you do the hair, you do the makeup, you do the nails, you buy the food or whatever. You take the bag or the phones and you can't pay. Actually, you can. But you've taken advantage of the fact that this is us. Lastly, if you're approached to lend somebody money, do not lend anybody money you are not happy to let go. Are you hearing me? Somebody comes to you and asks for 30 grand. Say, borrow me. Correct English is lend me. 30 grand. You look at the person. You know this person will give you a hard time. You should know. You should know. So you know what? I don't have 30 grand to lend you. But in support of what you're wanting to do, here's 5,000. There's more peace in the church. In you giving 5 grand that you can part with. Than giving somebody 30 grand that becomes an issue. 
because it will become an issue. And the problem is you started the issue because you know this person will not pay back. Most times you know a bad debt before it goes bad. You know. But you say, let me try for God's sake. Am I teaching you any principles here tonight? If you're in a place to forgive a debt, if you're in a place to, and I've been there many times, if you're in a place to forgive a debt, honestly, forgive it. If you can, forgive it. People are very evil. I've paid somebody in full to do automatic doors. Fist downstairs. I paid in full. The person disappeared with the money. I don't know how he sleeps. I don't know how he wakes up. I don't know how he ministers in church. And I sent him a text. I said, you know what? I'm not going to keep striving with you about this. If you're okay with it in your conscience, you, you can keep the money. The power thing that he installed is still in my office, yeah. hanging there till today. Never came back. But sometimes it's, it's in the interest of your sanity to let a debt go. The guys are produced. They said all kinds of stuff. I will pay that till today. I let it go. So if you're in a position to forgive a debt for your own sanity, forgive it. Go to the person, send them a message. Tell them, you know what, I let it go. But you see, if you're, if you're in the position where people are always canceling debts on your matter, very soon you run out of integrity. Yes. Mark those people. Mark them. You don't have to help. You don't have to. Are you guys listening to me? You don't have to. Because if you're owing somebody and you prioritize it, you'll be fine. And then you don't even communicate. You wait until you are asked. The deadline has passed. Then they ask you. Then you flip. And that's, you, you owed me something you should have paid last month. You didn't pay. You didn't speak up. Then I spoke up. Then you flipped. Are you mad? And you think it's fine? You are discerning nothing about the body. I took time to lay the foundations for business principles before getting here. You're not, you're, not, you're not discerning the body. There's too many people working around who are hurt. Not for malice or strife, but for a business transaction gone bad. You'll not, you not pay. You'll be nasty. you pay the money in trickles. Break people's hearts and leave a nasty aroma all over the place. And everybody's running around each other. It's not the spirit of God. There's nobody I've done business transactions with that I've left a bad taste in their mouth. No. We have not so learned Christ. We have not so learned Christ. So if you're owing someone, pay. And stop borrowing to fund a lifestyle that you don't live in. Are you guys hearing me? Stop borrowing to fund a lifestyle you don't live in. You kill yourself before your time. Move back to your village. Move to a place where they pay less rent. If you're owing a debt that is, that is beyond you, it's because you borrowed beyond your means. Do you understand? You are carrying a phone you should not be able to afford. You are carrying a bag or wearing a dress you have not gotten to in that, part, in that place of your life. You are carrying hair, wig, attachment that you have not started to work for. That's why you haven't paid. You're wearing shoes that you should be at a particular level in your professional advancement before you start wearing. You're wearing them now. That's why you can't pay. Anybody who borrows stuff to wear is not wise. 
It's all wise. The collection on credit. To wear. Bag on credit. Dress on material on credit. You collect a material on credit. You give tailor to sew. You paid the tailor. Wore the fabric and you have not paid for it. Father, as I speak, let healing, financial healing flood the heart of people. Because there's so much hurt in the body. So much. It has to stop. If you are dispensing a service, you are under no obligation to sell to anyone on credit. The church is not there yet. If someone already owes you, if you can forgive it, forgive it. If you want to talk to them about it and tell, send them a message, do that. You are well within your right to do so. Send a message. You know, I, I, I feel very upset about this. And I thought to let you know. But moving forward, I'm letting it go. If you pay it, fine. If you don't, fine. But I let it go. If you want to remind them to pay, remind them to pay. Again, you are within your right to do so. Just don't be nasty about it. You can't represent the gospel if you don't have something as simple and basic as financial integrity. Flipping it as I close, those of you who are service providers, the onus is also on you. Two things. One, to deliver as agreed. Two, to deliver on time what has been agreed. Does that make sense? Deliver what was agreed. Deliver it on time. That whole nonsense especially tailors, you ought to know how much time it takes to cut a pattern, to cut the cloth, to do the estate, the linen, and the sewing. You ought to know. Or else you are not a professional, I'm sorry to say. If you cannot give an accurate timeline of how long it takes you to deliver your product, you are not as good as you think you are. And I've told this to every professional I've had a chance to, to speak with. You should know what your costing is such that you can give a, a, a figure off the top of your head. Does that make sense? You should know how much approximately it takes for you to do that service or product and deliver it. When you do that, give yourself a leeway. Yes, yes. It is better to tell somebody, I cannot do it and let them walk away and be upset for a minute than for you to say, I go do them by Saturday morning. And then they hinge all their hopes on your false expectations and you don't deliver. You also lack integrity. You see, we'll be there at 12 o'clock. At 12, you're not. You have not called before then to say, I'm likely to run late. You wait until quarter past 12 when we call you. Then you say, I'm sorry, I, I, I will be late. You're already late. And you dishonor the church and dishonor the body. So look at it critically. You don't have to do business with the church. But you see, the thing is, the quality of business you do in the church, I said this last week, gives me an idea of how you do business out there. Don't forget that nobody's an island. A day is coming. You will need church to speak for you. If you offer a service and you give a time, honor it. I'm never late. If I am, I'm with good cause. I send the word well ahead. To even my junior contemporaries. Even in my office. We don't do that. We don't fall out on account of a transaction. So if you're doing here, do it well. If you agree to a particular attachment, do that one. A particular fabric, do that one. If something is changing, 
you realize you are cutting the thing and it will not go a particular way. Stop. It's not your fabric. You're just the tailor. Call the person. I said, I was cutting this thing and I realized that six inches might be short here or slightly longer. Let me send you a WhatsApp. Should I continue? Are we okay with this? Would you like to see it? Don't conclude for your customer. And then you now get upset when your customer doesn't like you. What's wrong with you? You know, you're the one that gets angry. Ah, what I did was very good now. I've been doing this for many people and they all like it. That's not the spirit of business. How much more in the church? It's not what you like or what you know. It's what somebody wanted and you agreed to deliver. Is this clear? If you need help on doing business, seek help. Stop using other sons of God as guinea pigs. Stop it. Put that scripture back, Romans 13 and 8. Oh no man nothing but love. So if you're owing, pay. If you can't pay at a great time, you are the one that should send a message ahead. I know we said this, but unfortunately this is where I am. I'm really sorry that I put you in this position. I, nothing, nothing turns me off much worse than that right now. But I please crave your indulgence. Don't send a message and say, sorry, I will pay. Because at, the time, at that point, if you need to use a thousand words, use a thousand yes, words. Sir. You can't owe with pride. I'm really, really sorry. Please forgive me. I understand the inconvenience that this has put you in. And I thoroughly apologize for it. I hope you don't take it out against me. And you continue to sweeten them until you pay. And if you're owing somebody and you broke it down into little bits and gave it, you didn't pay them. I'm just letting you know. You're owing 20,000, you paid 4,000, 200, you didn't pay them. You stole their livelihood. Because you must be, that's why I said two days ago, I believe, it's not just the message of the gospel. The practice of the gospel. There's so much noise. Yet there's this underbelly that is dirty. And everyone is just pretending that all is well when nothing is well. And people are taking advantage of one another. Owing one another. Stifling one another's businesses. That's not what Jesus called us to do. If you own someone, pay. You want a business, a service, a product, pay for it. If you feel like because it's in church you don't want to pay, go out to where you can pay and pay for it. Oh, it would be great that we could do that in church and make it work. That's the church Jesus died for. But church consciousness is not church consciousness until our business transactions are safe. Does everyone hear what I'm saying? Until your yes is yes, your nay is nay, until there's integrity undergirding your love. You, you actually hate your neighbor. I know how hurtful it is. I know. I know. I know how hurtful it is for people to say, I will pay you. Just allow me. And then you see this song on YouTube. You see it on iTunes. For sale. Launched. Money collected. They tell you I'm coming. Man of God, don't worry. I know the feeling. I don't want anybody going through it. So if you are there, I apologize. Please receive the healing that only the Holy Spirit can give. Let my word be good enough. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure everybody can hear my heart. I'm pretty sure. Let it go. 
And if you're owing, have the Christ's consciousness to one, apologize for putting that person in that position and two, pay it up. Think about the position you put the other person in. Thirdly, if you're a business person, supply a service. Don't do it on credit. Don't do it on credit. Deliver what you agreed. Deliver what you agreed on time. Let it speak for you in the future. Is this good counsel tonight? Yes, sir. Good counsel? Yes, sir. Can we take about 60 seconds and just pray in the Holy Ghost? And pray this all in? That's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at wildthechurch. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.